He's it, not a cook. He's not even a... Right, so I... He's... no. <laughs> Episode 28 of the Anchor Me Forum podcast. This is Brian. No, I'm Kara. And we don't have a topic for today. No, we're kind of tapped out or something. It is Labor Day weekend as, as we record this. And there have been a few changes around the farm. The uh, the folks who bought the truck picked it up. Yeah. So the food truck is gone, or the food van, or however you want to describe it. Super sad. It's very emotional, and has been hard to cope with. But I guess it was time. We weren't using it. I had plans for it, but after trying to figure out. If the equipment still worked, because it's propane, so you have to light the pilot light and hold down the button and light it at the same time, and you need complete hand mobilities. To you need do. two strong hands at the same time. Yeah, so <clears throat> it was just hard enough to do that, and I would never be able to use it as a food truck anyway because I'm super slow now. And and you don't drive anymore. I don't drive, so... You used to drive that food truck. Which was crazy to think about, because it was kind of scary. <laughs> it's basically a Ford, like a 2012, I think? Ford, 2004. 2004. Uh, Ford Ecovan. It only had like 26,000 miles. It was very low mileage. Yeah, the original owner had just basically driven it to the same spot and sold in one spot all the time. And it was close to his house. So he didn't really do a whole lot. So a lot of the mileage got put on because he was from Massachusetts and he moved to Vermont. Yeah. We bought it from him there and we put more miles on it than he did. I think the majority of its miles were just being moved from state to state. Right, because we had to move it from Bath to... Well, it was staying at your friend's for a little bit because we didn't have a place yet. Yeah, the the travel was Massachusetts for that guy to Vermont for that guy. Then we brought it to Bath, Maine. Maine. And then when we stopped running it, it went to basically a town on the very southern edge of Maine where Maine. friends of ours have land and they allowed us to keep it there over the winter. And then we came and got it. And then it was in Rhode Island for a year. But we had to get it registered in Rhode Island in order to park it in the storage facility. Yeah, we rented a parking space for it. Big old, like people do for trailers. Like we had it in our driveway when we lived at the house. But when we sold the house, we had to put the truck somewhere because we couldn't bring it to my parents because that's where we were staying. And that's all the way back in Vermont. Yeah, that's back to Vermont. <laughs> so we, we kind of had a temporary solution until we figured the houses out. That's why it was stayed at our friend's place. Yeah, but Rhode Island, we didn't have friends. So we had to pay for a storage parking spot, which they exist, which is convenient for people who have to put trailers or campers or whatever. After that, you weren't really driving anymore. I was not driving. And when we finally brought it up here, I had to drive the truck, and you drove our Honda CRV. So it had been a year. I don't even know. I was off and on with the driving up until Rhode Island, and then Rhode Island was just like, nope, I'm done. But I feel like before then, well, since my injury is really when the... I think whatever anxieties you already had were maxed out after that. Yeah, and then I got new anxieties and new issues, and half the time I couldn't use my right hand, which is my dominant hand anyway, so it was just... This is Brian and Kara editing the podcast. We need to clear up something about left-handedness. Kara is actually left-handed, but she had to use her right hand for a lot of stuff. Yeah, the only thing I use my left hand for is writing and eating, but... Growing up, they teach you to use your right hand for everything. So my right arm, my right hand was more strong. I, that's what I used to cut things with. That's what I used to toss pans with, being a chef. And that's how I pipe things. Like, I can't pipe left-handed because 
because when I write left-handed, I smear the ink, so it would be the same with piping if I were to do it left-handed. Or at least it feels the same. Feels the same. And my right hand was stronger, so I was able to use a piping bag, but now I can't because my left hand is already weak, and then my right hand, forget about it. So. so I actually looked it up. You're actually Gen X. Am I, though? I'm on the border. You're one year away. You're 19, well, I'm not going to say, but you're, you're <laughs> on the edge of Gen X. So you're technically, technically Gen X like me, mm, even, though we're, really. even though we're six <laughs> years apart. And when we were kids, being left-handed was not something anybody catered to. They would just try to make you a right-hander. Yeah, and the left-handed scissors were crap. So you're just better off using all right-handed, like batting when you had to play gym. Does gym even exist anymore? I don't know. Like baseball but stuff? Baseball, yeah. Throwing a ball, using a bat, any kind of sport, anything. So every left-handed person was forced to use their right hand an awful lot. and Like I think the generations before me, if you were a left-hander, you were considered like the devil or something. Wasn't the, it crazy? It gets pretty <laughs> wild if you go back in time. Previous generations had some pretty weird beliefs. Yeah. Yeah, so they'd like basically beat that out of you. <laughs> Nowadays, they cater to it and they kind of help you out. but Left-handed the, scissors are still not good. Yeah, but at the time, they made you do right-handed stuff. So that's the reason why Kara has a lot of trouble with doing things because her, her right hand is in some ways, dominant, even though she's left-handed. Yeah. It was, a, it was a long journey for her to get as functional as she is now. No, still a journey. And, but even to get to where you are now. Yeah, it was, it was... So the, the idea that she was going to drive at all was kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And she was going to have to drive from Rhode Island all the way up to central Maine? Well, yeah, we were going to ask... A friend, but we really don't have many friends that we can ask. And this is during pandemic, so it was 2020. Yeah. Uh, I think it was September we went down because we wanted to go down before winter, and we didn't want to pay for the spot anymore in Rhode Island. Our friends are scattered all over the country. So having friends that are local that we can ask for, that we can actually trade labor with, is that's not in high supply. Yeah, we haven't really made those connections yet, which is hard, obviously. But Because the friends we have made are also farmers, and their schedules are also crazy. And you get to Sunday, and you're just like, you're still doing some farm work on Sunday. But it's the catch-up stuff that you wanted to do all week. And then by the time you're done, you're exhausted. And we podcast. So, yeah. like, I've got a couple of people I could call, and we could meet on Sunday. Do you? Yeah. I'll, I'll see if I can schedule, maybe they'll do a podcast with us, talk about their farm. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. But in any case, we were on our own to bring the thing up. So she was a champ. She drove <sighs> it all the way up. Oh, my God. It was and like white knuckle the entire way. And I, I was, was in the lead. Um, <laughs> you were in the car with me. Swear words. Just I was like a sailor right off the boat there, just going. I was in the lead, and my job... <laughs> Basically, Kara's job when I when I left turn signaled because I don't have great visibility because the truck's big. Um, when I turn signaled, Kara would change lanes in response to my signal, and then I would I would know that she's behind me and I would change lanes. And occasionally, somebody would would sneak in between us, and we would just kind of I'd slow down a little bit and we'd squeeze them until they got out. <laughs> and, <laughs> And um, nobody really wanted to be behind the truck because we don't go very fast. Yeah. Uh, let me let me explain this. Uh, let me finish explaining the truck. Uh, 2004 Ford Eco van with I don't know if you've ever seen those vans that have been adapted and they've got a, a hat on it. It's like taller than a regular van. Uh, sometimes they do that for you know, to carry different kinds of cargo or whatever. It kind of looks like a camper because a lot of people mistaken it, mistaken, mistook it, mistook it for a camper. For a camper so. And I, I actually used to drive a van that was tall like that for a job for a women's clothing store 
they had three locations in three different cities, and I would drive from the primary store to the other stores and deliver clothes, and the van was tall enough that you could stand up inside it, and you could hang clothes on these these uh, poles on the side, and the dresses wouldn't touch the floor. So whenever you make a, a van so that you can stand up inside it, it it's really tall. If you're hearing any knocking, <laughs> there's a duck. There's you know? Logan. She's playing with puppy pad. She's getting it wet and, like, trying to... I we'll explain that in a minute. But there's a duck in a plastic container <laughs> just uh, kind of walking around. But this, this van is tall, right? So when you're driving down the interstate, the wind is a big deal. If it's really windy, if you've got a lot of crosswinds, you can, you can be pushed... So you don't want to drive crazy fast. You know, it's almost like a sailboat. And also, this is a food truck. It's got a lot of equipment in it, so it's heavy. Yeah, it's very heavy. And it's got regular old Ford van brakes, so you cannot follow people. <laughs> uh, you could stop, don't get me wrong. It brakes work. But you you can't, like, like your little tiny car. You, yeah, you, you cannot it. follow people too close. And you cannot drive too fast. So you're in the right lane on the interstate all the time and not going as fast as people want. Before everything happened, Kara used to just drive it. Like I would drive to work in Portland, Maine, and Kara would drive that van to Portland or wherever the hell else. Yeah, it's crazy to think about now. It's like... How all by I, yourself. How did I even manage that? I don't even know. <laughs> it's like scary. We should divert for a moment. The uh, the duckling that was hatched, <laughs> the rejected duckling that we took in. Logan. Her name is Logan. <laughs> and she's not she doesn't seem to have any peeking in her because she's not getting ridiculously large super fast. So there's mallard and something else. So she's either a cross of Mallard Welsh. It's got to be Welsh because she's got yellow. Or it would be Mallard Runner. But our runners, the one that the ones that laid eggs are all black. So I don't know. Yeah. So basically, she's by herself. So <laughs> we spend time with her. And then when we leave the room, she shouts. She cheep, cheep, cheeps. She's very upset. Yeah. So we've taken to getting a clear plastic container. We put the lid somewhere else. And we basically just put a puppy pad in there and, and her food and water and let her hang out in there. And we've graduated her to a larger one so she can actually walk around a little bit. Yeah. And she's on the the table next to the computer right now. Yeah, because the bigger container no longer fits on the side table by the couch. So Yeah, there's a little like tiny table, almost like a shelf width. She was on, but now she's bigger. So she's on the table, and every once in a while she decides to poke at the wall, <laughs> and you might hear a tapping or a chirping. Chirping or water splashing. It's a duck. <laughs> yeah. So back to the truck. Basically, Kara would. We had these two suitcase generators that were louder than we wanted, and we had a parallel cable, which basically means. You, we, we had a, an outlet, like a big outlet, like a big uh, cord that came from the truck, and you plug your generator into that. And a parallel cable is like a Y connection. It goes from the, you plug it into your truck, and the cord splits into two. And you're going to run off of one generator. Both of them are going to be on. One of them is going to be actually cranking and running the truck, because one of our Suitcase generators, they were Westinghouse, I think. Yeah, they were like 2,200. I feel like I feel like we had 24 total. I feel like they were 12 or something. I don't want to say 20-something. Basically, we had whatever Let's their check wattage. check my Amazon order things. She'll check that <laughs> while I explain. One of our suitcase generators was enough to run the truck entirely. And we would just, it would be moving along and the other would just idle. Until the compressor kicked on for the refrigerator. And that was way too much for the one. So because it was parallel, it would go to the other. And then suddenly the other is just really hit hard because those, those compressors for an air conditioner or for a fridge, they just they start really high. So 
the generators, generators would go, they would dip. And if you're very unlucky, the entire truck would shut off. And that means you would have to start the propane back up again. And it's just a whole rigmarole. It was, it was a huge problem. Uh, but those were louder than we wanted. Uh, the, the perfect ones were the Honda. Um, Super expensive. Yeah, they were very expensive, but they were whisper quiet. They were great. And I feel like those were 1600 So I feel like ours were like twelve or 1400 I don't remember the... Yeah. 20, what year... <laughs> 24 was is too I think that's closer to the whole truck. Uh, do you remember what year? No. This is Brian editing the podcast. I did some checking and I couldn't find the exact Westinghouse suitcase generator that we bought at the time. But judging by what's available now, I think Kara's right. I think we had two generators that each had 2200 or 2400 watts available. And if I remember correctly, I think it was something like 1,800 idling, and then the the crank wattage is 20, 22 or 24, as far as what it could get hit with at once. And the 1,600, I think, was for the Hondas at the time. I think the one we wanted was really expensive for just one. I don't think they were actually 1,600 watts. So Hondas were completely out of our reach. And we were stuck with the two Westinghouses. Anyway. In any case, the we didn't have a generator that was enough to handle all of it. And it had a little compartment in the side, but the generator that came with the truck wasn't working. And we never got the guy to crank it on. So when we bought the truck, it was just... Yeah, we spent way too much money for the truck. And when we looked at it, we're like, okay... And you're going to clean it up before we pick it up. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. We should have left, but it took us, it was It was such a, a massive effort to get it, and we were uh, so set on it. Because we couldn't afford anything else, so it was like, dude. But he charged way too much for it. Oh, yeah. But we were really set on it. Yeah, and because it was... Small enough where I could handle it myself and drive it myself, and it was just. In the in the movies, you always see a big bread truck that oh, has plenty of room. The other reason it's hard. So Maine has specific. Each state has different qualification or requirements for a food truck. Maine requires you have a three bay sink and a separate hand sink, and most trucks made are not that way so that was that was another seller feature. the fact that it had all that yeah most of the time when you're thinking of a food truck from the movies and stuff you're thinking of a big bread truck and there's plenty of room in those and they're accustomed to carrying a lot of weight so they get turned into food trucks quite often and everything's all contained the generator everything uh, so this was a van and for some reason, yeah, it's, it's weird that the other trucks don't have, is Maine just weird with those requirements? Well, it's a lot of requirements to fit in one tiny truck, to be honest, to have a separate hand sink. Granted, these sinks were tiny, but... But other trucks didn't meet that requirement? No. And if they did, they were triple the price, like 60, 80 grand, which would never happen. Yes, yeah, because basically you're not going to, if you buy a food truck, you're not going to buy one that's in the same state as you, most likely. <laughs> you're going to be looking all over the country. So the, I guess the best advice we can give is try to find a truck that was running in a state where they're more strict than your state. Or look up your state requirements first before you look for a truck. It's yeah. The best if, way to go. if your state is all loosey-goosey, then... Maybe you're fine with whatever, but Maine had more strict requirements. So, although some of the some of the Maine inspectors are, I mean, there's a lot of rural spots in Maine, and if an inspector is on a whim going up there for some reason and finds some food being sold, a lot of people like to sell food out of their camper. Not legal. Oh yeah, <laughs> like this goes along with Caribbean. Because she's worked in restaurants for so many years, 
she always aces the inspections. But the state inspector had told me when, when we got our, we scheduled our inspection that, yeah, the camper, like somebody was just selling hot dogs and stuff out the window of their like, Winnebago. Gross. And because you're so far out there that people just assume they're never going to get caught. Yeah. And every once in a while, the inspector happens to come around and catch you. And they have inspections for, you know, the customer's safety. If you don't want to get sick from some Joe Schmo selling hot dogs out of his Winnebago or... Yeah, I can't believe people would actually... gas station grill. I mean, come on, people. It blows my mind that people would buy it. Just, this is yeah. obviously not a food truck. It's just some guy's camper. <laughs> it's crazy. So, of course... You know, we were enamored by the idea of a of a van that was turned into a truck because you can, and we didn't know this yet. We learned later, but you can park that in a lot more places. Yeah, you it's can park a, lot a bread truck smaller and compact than a normal food truck would be. A lot of people build uh, basically a food trailer, and they have to tow it with a pickup truck. And the advantage of that is. That you're no longer worried about the engine, the the automotive side of it. It has no engine. It's just a trailer that you converted. So that's good. But the downside is you are as long as a pickup truck and a trailer. So you have to be able to park that successfully. Yeah. So you need enough room to park it. Whereas we were able to just kind of, you know, and the mirrors are pretty good. <clears throat> we talked about getting a backup camera made, but we never did. Uh, yeah, for- we only... Ran it for a year, which is a shame, because we could have. It could have been something great, but it's really hard. Uh, it the cities all have different requirements for what you're allowed to do. There's only particular places you can run a food truck. When people try to bring food <laughs> trucks into town, all the brick and mortar businesses get kind of angry about it. And I understand, like you don't want a food truck across the street from your restaurant, but they try to fix it so you can't operate anywhere in town. And it's yeah. just its just the rich guy that owns the restaurant doesn't want competition. Well, Bath was a real pill about it. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. Because we lived there and people wanted it. They wanted it. They tried to pull, like, zoning stuff on us. Yeah, the one guy in the... I don't, I don't the know. The town planner. office. The city whatever. planner. He... No matter where I went, if I could be in a private parking lot, it would have been fine. But not really, because... Oh, wait, that's... I know who you're talking about. That was a different guy in the office. Yeah, I don't remember his job. Was he a code guy? I don't know. There were so many people we talked to in Bath. Bath is not small business friendly. They'll say they are, but they're trying to get all the money in there, and that is... Well, that's beside the point. But anyway, so the point being is that to run the food truck, they said I could only be in one spot, and that was by BIW, which right. is Bath Ironworks, which is a is it government run or military run? Kind of both. I mean, they make they have they make ships, and they make ships for the military as well. And there's places that are. You know, secure. So, but, but you got to remember with Bath, you've got like two sides of it. You've got the nice touristy side, and then across the literally across, it's like across the bridge. Across the bridge. Then you're with all the people that have you know get their hands dirty for a living are over there. You got your yeah, you got your blue collar and your white collar. There's and, literally a line that crosses them. And they gave us a map. I remember now. The guy gave us a map of where we could be, and. <laughs> It basically didn't have anywhere in downtown Bath or anywhere in the city of Bath in it. It was only the sliver of Bath that was occupied by Bath Ironworks. Which, there's no parking because everyone who goes to Bath works at the Ironworks. And there's literally no... Even for the employees, there's no parking. Right. It it gets (laughs) incredibly congested there when people are going to work. And no, you're not going to just... No. Park a food truck somewhere at random. You you you'd basically have to make a deal with the ironworks and which is possible and hook up at lunchtime or something. You could probably make something work, but we were we wanted to just set up shop. 
And, and the, then the people, the, the other problem, the people who actually would buy my food, not to say that the Ironworks people would not, but they're more, oh, let me get like a quick hamburger sandwich. I am a specialized food truck. I do only gluten-free and a lot of vegan stuff, which would be fine for some folks, but others just want something easy and simple. And If they want a basket of french fries to just yeah. take on the walk to work. Then, Not going to happen. Yeah. So, um, so basically we were, we were stuck with, they, they only had room in their brains for you go on the other side of the line where the blue collar people are. You don't come over here. And we're, we're basically living kind of on the, the wrong side of the line because we didn't match up with any of the people that were our neighbors. We, we yeah. were like more blue collar people and a lot of them weren't. <laughs> so we, we actually, we made a deal with a local business where it'd be in their parking lot. Yeah. The chocolate church, they put on concerts and plays and stuff. And it was a great yeah. place to be. It would have been perfect. And the, the great part about having a deal with a business is if they let you plug in you don't have to run your generators. So basically the truck is only the sound of the fans and and the, the truck itself. You don't have the engines or the generators, like that noise doesn't exist. So even if somebody was complaining about that, it wouldn't it wouldn't matter. Um, the uh, but they they wouldn't let us do it. The town, not the chocolate church. Yeah, the people. town the town wouldn't let us do it. Chocolate and, church was very excited about it. And we were getting everything set, and then the town's like, uh, no. Yeah. But, and But we're like, it's a private lot, and they're like, I don't care. So I actually talked to the city planner, <laughs> and I explained that I know like some people may not like generators with a food truck, but we're not going to run generators. It's going to be, it's not going to be noisy at all. Nobody's going to even know that we're there unless they walk in the parking lot. And they wanted... I'm trying to remember exactly. They wanted two hundred dollars. Oh, so to go that, in front of a board to, to get approval. Right, but but then then the board would determine if we were going along the rules. And I was I was actually talking to the city planner, and I was like, "Is there any way for me to find out what those rules are before I pay the two hundred dollars?" And he said, "No." And I was like, <laughs> "Dude, what the hell?" Really? Seriously? So I looked at the city planner like he was an idiot. It was like, you if you tell us the rules, we can follow the rules and meet your criteria and everybody can be happy, but I'm not allowed to know the rules. I'm I'm, I'm supposed to pay two hundred bucks and then some old lady that's lived there and her parents have lived there and and, and doesn't want change can just decide that we're not good. Yeah. Because if they if they tell us a set of rules, they're committed, and then they're going to have a food truck in their midst, and and they but they're looking for a way to. That is the only reason somebody won't tell you the rules is they want to exclude you. Yeah, and they want to cheat. They they have no intention of allowing you even the slightest chance because if they give you a list of rules, you can follow them. So it, it just wasn't going to work in Bath. They're just it was, they were just being. Ugh, I don't even know what the... Well, you know what the words are. I don't have yeah. to even say There's that, a serious, so. like... I could tell, though, there's a serious division between the younger people and the older people. <laughs> like, like the younger people, like the city planner I talked to. Because it is a... it is a. If you have the Hondas, your generators are super quiet. But some trucks are loud. We're not that bad, but some trucks were bad. But as soon as I tell somebody, no generators are plugged in, it's all good. All problems are done. Nobody's going to complain about us. We're not going to bother anybody. So let us do our business. But older people are still resistant. So it just it just it was a frustrating thing. We couldn't even figure out like how to get past it, and we didn't have two hundred dollars to drop on the whims of a no, board. I mean, we already spent the money on the truck, the money on fixing up the truck, the money on state inspection, the money on getting the fire. Oh, another thing that may require was a fire suppression system, which a lot of trucks do not have either. So, I mean, a lot of money goes... Granted, it's cheaper than getting a brick and mortar, but 
it's still expensive and there and you gotta do food costs and it's just and I used all local stuff it was yeah no it was it was a big to do <sighs> that fire suppression system is a last resort kind of thing because the kind of fire extinguishers you have to have for a kitchen are not like a lot of the time the the fire extinguisher that people think of is really a CO2 where you basically blast CO2 and it deprives of oxygen and the fire goes out that way. But with a grease fire, that extinguisher would just push the grease everywhere and it would just burn more stuff. So they have a different kind of fire extinguisher that sprays like a chemical suppressant that, that coats everything and smothers the fire that way. So if, if you have a grease fire in a food truck and you have to pull that emergency lever, it is gonna spray it's gonna spray sticky chemical stuff all over your truck. Clean that thing for months. Yeah, it because it's trying to get rid of all fire anywhere. You can't you don't build a fire suppression system for one spot. You build it for the whole truck, right? So basically if you pull that lever, it's because everything is totally Cleaning the truck forever is a better option mm, than, than burning it down. Than letting the fire continue. Yeah. <laughs> so so you end up and you have to get firefighters to come and test it and approve it. And I feel like we obeyed a lot more rules than most people do. Yeah. I just feel like we because we're the people that get caught, we're the people that you know, if we cut a corner, something always goes wrong. And it's crazy, like, each town. So that was Bath. And then there's not even that. There's some people in Bath. We had a lot of customers because I did farmer's market there. So they knew what was going on. But then Portland is the biggest hurrah for food trucks. That's the biggest. I don't know. It's not the biggest city in Maine, but it's the most populated city in Maine. Right. So you want to be there because that's where all the tourists come and that's where you can make money. But to get your food truck inspected, you got to get inspected not just by the state and not just by your own town, but you also got to get it inspected by Portland. Yeah. So that's fun. Basically, any town where you're going to be, <laughs> you got to get inspected and you got to deal with their rules. The only exception is if you're part of a big festival. The, the festival covers... All of the rules. So if the festival's cool with you, you're, you're you're good with the town. Yeah, you you still have to have your own like inspection by the state and stuff, and your right. own insurance, and then you just submit so, your insurance to the festival. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like basically, all the stuff you have to do to operate with the state, you then you then have to satisfy the town, and all the towns have different levels of stuff. From like Portland, they'll have its own inspection and its own rules and its own everything. And then you get to some towns where you call them and say, you know, can we operate in your town? And they go, what? I was like, yeah, we have a food truck. Can we operate in town? Oh, all right, food truck. Um, and then the guy like puts the phone against his chest, but you can still hear him. Hey, Tom, Tom, these people have a food truck. <laughs> and this is a small town where the town like people are like, Three or four people in the town office, and they have to figure out what to do with you because they don't know, because no one's ever done this before. Or and I've had people tell me we could sell you a, a temporary business license for fifty bucks. Like they're trying to figure out a way to make it okay, you know. And and we would. Because I'm sure most people don't even ask the town because they just show up and do whatever, and then pay the consequence after. Yeah. If it, they get caught, will they get? Well, they don't know. I mean, because every town, like if like Portland had certain places in the city where you were allowed to have a food truck, and other places you were not. Yes. Uh, if you ever watch the great food truck race when they go to Portland, Portland, Maine, uh, Kara and I were looking at the trucks' mirrors. We're looking because they they tried their best not to show you where they were. Yeah. And we're looking in the mirrors, trying to figure out what part of Portland they were in, and. I forget. We recognized the spot. We figured well, it out. It's definitely a spot where food trucks are not allowed. You're not allowed. But they made a deal with the city because they're the yeah. great food truck race. So they're allowed. So they were probably paid a lot of money to the city. Yeah. So, so whenever you see stuff on TV 
It's no, no, that's <laughs> not how it works. Also, in the movies, you always have like a total rundown rust bucket truck. Oh, like Chef. Like the movie Chef. Right? I love that movie, but seriously, there's there's a part of the movie <laughs> where it kind of breaks. Uh, we we can't suspend our disbelief. We get aggravated <laughs> by the movie for a minute because. He basically tells these guys, if you'll help me get this stuff put in the truck and installed, I'll make sandwiches for you. And it's like, well, are you going to make sandwiches for them next week? Because you're going to be – you're not just going to put this stuff in there in five minutes and, and twist a wrench. Running. Like twist a wrench a couple of times. And it was an old rust bucket truck yeah. in that movie. They're going to have to scrub all that rust. Yeah, and the kid's like, I'm just going to throw the sheet pan away. And sometimes it's okay to throw a sheet pan away if it's that gross. Although, I I scrub mine at least every other week. If it, like, I clean them after each use, obviously. But when they get really bad, I take a hard, scrubby thingy and work Steel on wool. it. Steel wool. Yeah. And but then, the guy in that movie got the truck ugh. basically for free. And then he got, and everything just installed magically in a few minutes. Like I mean, he's the electrical, going the, the cross country, and just vending anywhere. Which no, you need licenses. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. No. And then he would get, and, and of course he, like we discussed before, they go on social media, and they, if you get a kid that knows how the social media works, you will automatically go viral and become famous. And get tons of people in your line. Yeah. But, you know. <clears throat> Every single time in a movie. like I just posted once on Instagram, how are there 200 people waiting in line for us? Oh, my God. No, this doesn't. Nobody knows who the hell you are. Yeah, <laughs> you have to. You, the trucks that we saw that had that kind of power had a lot of money behind them. They had social media teams. They had a brick-and-mortar restaurant that already had a reputation. Or they had lots and lots of money invested in the beginning they had an entire crew that was working dedicated on the truck they did not have day jobs yeah and there was a, a couple of trucks like that that we saw where we're like these people don't have day jobs these people are are professional truck people and somebody bankrolled that i mean i was a professional truck person because that was my job but yeah but i had a day job he had a job and i'm talking where the entire crew of the truck yeah it was just me and then him and his off his regular job time. We're, so. we're doing mom and pop stuff where she started a business and I've got the job with the health insurance and I'm helping when I can on the side. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you hire five or six people that are not related to each other at all. They didn't know each other until they got the job. And their job is to work on this truck well, or, or times, two trucks. Like, so one of the stories, I won't mention their name. Uh, their parents started a stand, I think, at one of the local fairs, and it became so popular that then they were able to expand and get a food truck, and then their kids started running it, and it got so big, they were able to get a brick and mortar, but they still continued on with the food truck, which is kind of unfair. I feel like if you have a brick and mortar, you shouldn't also be able to do a food truck. I don't know. That's just my opinion because it puts us other people who can only afford a food truck or a food stand. Yeah, because you got these people with a reputation. I mean, it's not like they shouldn't be allowed because... I know. It is whatever. what it is. But, but they, you got these people with an established reputation and a brick and mortar that everybody knows and they show up and they just suck up all the oxygen. Yeah. And... We also didn't have money to do a wrap on the truck. One of the things that happens with uh, <clears throat> with a typical food truck is you'll spend it. It could be like up to two thousand dollars, or that. more. It, it depends on the size of the vehicle, the the kind of printing that they do for buses, and like if you ever see a bus with a printed ad on the side, they printed that up and carefully applied it to the bus. And it had to be measured perfectly for the windows and all that stuff. So you get a wrap done with all of your marketing on it. And that costs multiple thousands of dollars. A lot. Depending upon the size of your vehicle and the complexity. 
and it ha the the vehicle needs to be rust free and in good shape before they can even do that. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it was a white van, and Kara just basically painted it with a brush. Well, I tried a sprayer, like one of our handy dudes. Uh, let a sprayer. I couldn't figure out how it worked. It didn't work very well. Like so, a pump sprayer, a little hand pump sprayer. No, like a air compressor. Oh, one of those. Okay. So, but for the most part, it's like a brush and spray paint. But like the the good rust free. What was it? Rust aluminum. Rust -oleum? Yeah. Like specifically made for metal and outdoors. So. Yeah. So she's got a ladder and she's climbing all over this truck and she's on top of it. And yeah. she's afraid to drive, but she's on top of this truck. Well, that was before I was afraid to drive. Oh, well, that's I, right. That's right. I am you were afraid the truck. of heights, though. So there's that. So she's not crazy about heights. She's basically <laughs> defeating a bunch of stuff. And she had anxiety about driving even then, although she was still willing to drive the truck because she cared. She loved it. Uh, but, yeah, she painted it green. Yeah, many, and many coats. It definitely needed a couple more, but there's only so much time before you have to actually just get it out there and start selling. So. And it was fun to run it. We, hmm. you had, um, you'd bought some lights, some battery-powered lights with a magnet on the back that you could just slap onto the side of the truck when it got dark. Yeah. And still run. Um, it, was it was not a winter sport. <laughs> no, in fall it was kind of nice. In summer it was oppressive because the heat of the kitchen was added to the heat of summer and it was really bad in there. Yeah, obviously no air conditioning. It's a truck. So right, it's it got some like, evac fans, but like, they only do so much. <laughs> so uh, drenched in sweat, but there was only enough room for me anyway, so it, it was okay. When but, we tried to run it with me inside, it was... Uh, Basically, two people, you, it's difficult to get past each other, so cramped in there. So yeah. one person handles one side and one person handles the other side, which means that if I was closer to the, the fridge, I would have to get everything for her from, from the fridge. Well, you, and you I don't know the ingredients the way she does. You didn't really... No, no, no. We tried stuff. it. We tried Did it. We? I don't even no, remember that. Apparently, I wiped that no, no, no. from my brain. <laughs> no, I didn't make anything. I was just in the truck. Basically, I was taking orders. Yeah. And if you're if you find yourself near the fridge, you have to get something for her because you can't go past her while she's making something while she's working. So we would go past each other once or twice, but. It, it basically wound up with me stuck on the side of the truck with the door, with the back door, because she had to go from the... I couldn't help her, basically, with anything. I couldn't get ingredients for her because she knew what she needed, and it changed all the time, depending upon what the orders were. He's it, not a cook. He's not even a... Right. So he's, I, no. <laughs> I don't have any professional skill that is of assistance. I've tried teaching him stuff, but it... It's it, not my skill set. It, it's not. So, But even just me being inside the truck and looking out the window, and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to stay on this side. I'm not going to be on that side. I'm not going to interfere with anything. I'm not going to try to get anything for you. I'm just going to be over here. Even that, I was still in the way. So I wound up taking orders. I would stand outside the truck and take orders. Yeah. And I would... I would send tickets, I would put tickets in the window for her. And when she was by herself, she would come over and stick her face out the window. And Because when you're inside the truck, Kara has a hard time like picking apart noises. Like when you've got a lot of different things going, you know, like a lot of white noise. I'm sorry, Cassie. I made that noise and Castle looked at me like I was a horrible I don't person. hear very well and that's why... If you call the farm, and I, I'm like, what? And then I have dogs in the background or ducks in the background. I don't, I don't think it's that you can't no, hear. No, I can't hear I think stuff. it's I think it's parsing the different sounds out. I think if there's interference, I it causes a lot of trouble. I hear pitch stuff because it's annoying, but like people talking, I have a hard time hearing some stuff. Any kind of static, any kind of disruption, 
and it, and she has a hard time understanding what's going on. And the phone is like not great for her. And that's why I couldn't be a receptionist anymore. I'm just, and I can't hear. And people get annoyed if you keep asking what, what. And standing, <laughs> basically, when she's looking out the window of that truck, there are evac fans behind her, blowing air out of the truck. To to blow out anything from the from the grill, so there's these these electric fans going like right behind her head, and she's trying to she's trying to like ignore that sound and focus on your voice. It was really hard. It was hard. And I would see you take orders. You would try to stick your you would try to stick your head out of the window, <laughs> so you get past all the noise in the truck to listen. There was a point where sometimes I thought, what if I just had the customers write down what they wanted? <laughs> That'd be so much easier. Yeah. Because we didn't have, I mean, we used Square, but we didn't have like a pad where they could enter in their own order like some fancy people do. And somebody kept changing the menu every five seconds. Well, yeah. So we would have these <laughs> whiteboards. She would come to that snoring is Aberdeen, by the way. <laughs> She's like eighty-five percent pug, and she totally snores, snores like a pug. A lot. She snores more than Dublin. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dublin's over there. We got him in a nice big bed, and he's in his tiny bed again. Well, he's, he's been in the new bed plenty, but he's in a sunbeam right now, and Dublin is sleeping soundlessly. He's totally quiet. Scotland's also sacked out the sunbeam. <laughs> so, but anyway, where the hell were we? Oh, taking orders. Oh, t yeah. I would stand outside the truck and just take orders for her. And we even recruited a friend of ours in, in Portland to help a couple of times. Yeah, once in a while when he couldn't help me. And yeah, and she would up. come in and we would just give her like all the tips. And she's yeah. like, oh, I can't take this. Like, yeah, you can. You and totally I can. pay her as well. Yeah, so. we, we paid her and just like. Just kind of off the books, which I know is not legal, but what are you going to do when you can't afford right. anything? You know, bust us <laughs> for something we did a few years ago for an insignificant... I mean, that's <laughs> they would spend more money trying to bust us for that. Yeah, it was then, only like two or three times. <laughs> like and the she was never on the truck, so it's okay. The amounts are so small. And yeah, she was never... Stand she never that's actually, Kara wouldn't let her in the truck. Well, it's not. I wouldn't let her. Insurance, right? She can't. If she's in, it's different. Well, yeah, it's, it is different, but yeah. And the sad part is, we had an employee to help us with farmers markets for a while when we were doing the truck. So I didn't want to give up farmers markets because that's that money was going towards the truck to do payments and stuff. But the markets, they don't work if I'm not there. The sales depleted. So bad. Yeah, even even when I'm there at it's the just, market, it's not as bad because people know I'm there, her husband. It's frustrating. But it's, if if Kara's not personally at a market, the sales. And I'm not get. even the people person. Like I, like I'm sorry. I I try to make small talk. I'm not good at it. But for it's, some reason, maybe I have one of those faces. It's <laughs> because. Gluten-free is when people – if you're going gluten-free because it's trendy, you don't care. But if you're going gluten-free because you have celiac and it's serious for you and you could get sick, you get really picky and you really care about who you're dealing with. And when you're talking to Kara and Kara has celiac, when someone who has it starts talking about it and then Kara starts talking about it and they can tell, okay, she's real – yeah. She she understands what I'm going through. I'm talking about the baking miseries because it's it's a struggle to come up with good recipes that aren't gross or cardboard or like yeah. turn into mush. And so the reason why I was able to kind of keep it going without her around is because I'd been around her and I'd I'd had the conversations enough times. And they would ask me about the flowers, and I would say things like, well, there's no silver bullet flower. You kind of have to use one flower for this, one flower for that. And, and I would say stuff that would indicate to them that I'm not just some random guy. I do, I do know what I'm talking about, but I'm still not as good as Kara, and the sales are not as good when she's not around. If it's not her, 
and it's not her husband, it dips even more. Yeah, it was bad. I was just, I got to the point where I was just like, I can't afford to do both of these things. Because gluten-free, I know people don't want to believe it, but there's not high margins, especially for my products. Like, I've been getting into debates with some of my wholesale people. It's just, I don't have high margins because my ingredients cost so much because my products are that good. Well, people who do regular baking... <laughs> Regular old flour is cheap, and so yeah. people have that in their brain. Like, let's compare. A regular, we'll go with high-end AP regular flour, like King Arthur, is $26 per 50 pounds. I pay with shipping because I have to order my ingredients from different places to incorporate it cost me roughly around $225 per 50 pounds. So, yeah, there's a difference. And the flour <laughs> is definitely better. The flowers are definitely better. They're, most of them are organic. And, I mean, there's a reason why. I mean, I don't use regular rice flour. I don't use made, I don't, what's the word? Pre-mixed made to order flour in the store that you can just grab off the shelf. That's not what I do. I use specialized flours. Basically to get to the point where people <laughs> think, oh my God, this tastes like a regular bagel. I can't believe it's gluten free. Oh my God, this is amazing. To get to that point, you have to use the right ingredients and you have to do it the right way. And it and costs money. It does. And, and it's not the same as, well, I'll just go to the grocery store and buy the cheapest stuff off the shelf. That, it, it doesn't, doesn't work that way. No. It's not going to taste the same. It's No. It's Incidentally, this is why a lot of the, the reality shows like Kitchen Nightmares where a restaurant is going down, it's because somebody decided to buy cheap ingredients and do frozen stuff and the food quality went to crap. Oh, yeah. But they'll say, oh, it's fresh frozen. Yeah. <laughs> That's not kidding. Chef Ramsay's biggest pet peeve. Direct quote. Somebody told <laughs> Chef Ramsay to his face that it was fresh. Like, it was frozen. He said, it's fresh frozen. And he was... <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> Ramsay just, like, blinked a couple of times. Like, did... What? Did that just happen? Did you say that? <laughs> but... Like, I it's, use frozen fruits and stuff because they keep longer... But and they're and baked goods, so it's not like I'm doing gourmet meals. But if you're charging thirty dollars a plate, obviously you gotta use all fresh stuff. Right. Oh, sorry. It's, it's what we've discussed before, where if when a restaurant goes down, like if the restaurant gets taken over by financial guys, the first thing they do is cut the quality on the ingredients, and then the food goes, the food quality goes down, and people stop coming around, and the whole restaurant just crashes and burns. The end result is that in order to produce the product that she has that people care about, the margins are tight. They are. So it's... I don't make a lot of money. And that was the same with the food truck because it was also gluten-free. A lot of stuff was vegan. And I used all local. Like, I did use meats when for obviously not the vegan stuff, but... Local meats and then all local cheese and veggies. So that's where our relationships that we built from doing farmers markets really paid off because we knew vendors, we knew people. Yeah, I knew where the best stuff was. So we would like we would, Springdale and yeah, we would buy from <laughs> local vendors all kinds of stuff. And I remember we, we we ran the truck once, and you had like one vegan option, and Everybody ordered it. It was like crazy. It was like the vegan stuff just flew out of there. Yeah. And then Kara was like, well, okay, I'll I'll do more vegan stuff. And you, she wound up with uh, vegan stuff kind of dominating the menu. Yeah, because that's what the people wanted and that's what they still want. Because coincidentally, if you're celiac or have a gluten allergy – a lot of times you also have a dairy allergy or you're lactose intolerant. I'm lactose intolerant. Thank goodness I don't have a dairy allergy or maybe I do. I don't, I'm not going to ever find out. She um, can take a lactate you know. and she's kind of okay. I need my cheese. So 
kind of goes together and vegan just is one step away from dairy-free gluten-free so I might as well just do and a lot of my products a lot of my breads anyway are vegan just as it comes so so I want you to understand what she was doing because she's just talking like it's normal <laughs> she would give you a sandwich or a gyro or something and the bread in the thing that you bought was made by her by hand yeah. and the meat came from local farms the veggies came from local farms and pretty much everything like she was a bake she was her own bakery in addition to being her own food truck yeah and then for the fried side I did truck we call them truck tots so I would take local potatoes shred them and make tater tots out of them. Oh, those are awesome. Oh my god, they're so good. And then I make little sauces for them, all vegan. Everything was all vegan for the fry side. Okay, now we're editing the podcast and Kara is making dinner and refuses to stop even though we're recording, but we wanted to talk about fryers for a second. Some restaurants will actually put meat into a fryer and then put the vegan dishes into a fryer and still sell it to you like it's vegan, but... Or gluten-free. Or gluten-free. And so they basically got bread in the fryer and meat in the fryer, and it's neither vegan or gluten-free. And if you eat it, if you're not sensitive, if you're doing it because it's a trend, whatever. But if you actually have an issue with this stuff or you really want to be vegan, it's a big deal. So as soon as we realized that vegan was going to be a thing... Or even, I think, from the beginning. The, the fryer was very no, early. No, because I did a fried ravioli, which was really yummy. But then people were like, vegan, vegan. So I'm like, all right. So all fried stuff is vegan. So as soon as we realized vegan was the way to go, dedicated fryer. And that mattered when we told the vegan people that the fryer was dedicated. Yeah. Big selling point and brought more vegan customers. Yeah, because that matters. Trust is everything. Okay, back to the podcast. And then I did onion rings, which were, the batter was local cider. We usually used Ricker Hill cider that made the best onion rings. Oh my gosh, I miss those too. Yeah, and then every, the tradition yeah. was whenever we, we did a, an event, <laughs> she would make onion rings before she shut the fryer down. Oh, now I and, want onion rings. And then she'd shut everything <laughs> down and we'd drive home. And the oil was too hot to get out of the fryer, so we'd have to drive home with hot oil in there. That's always fun. Anytime there's a festival, there's always some crazy hell, <laughs> and the truck is at a weird angle, and the oil would always spill out, and she'd have to clean it all up. Oh, yeah. Well, when we got home, it was like a deep clean every night, so I was out there at 10 o'clock at night with lights shining in on me trying to clean this truck out. It was... And I'm doing like a, exhausting. a thousand dishes every night from the truck because yeah. we didn't. We used the sink while the truck was in operation, but because we had a home bakery, we were we could use our sink to wash the to dishes. wash the dishes. So I would wash the sheet pans and all this stuff. It was a lot of work, but it was kind of neat to have it and to run it. I mean, there's a thrill. I mean, some people will understand this if you're a, a chef or a cook. There's like this. This rush you get when you have all these tickets, and you're like, oh my god, I gotta get all this out in like 20 minutes or less. And there's just this rush you cannot get anywhere else unless you do speed, which I don't do. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just. Well, it was like we, it took time for us to figure out the truck. We, we had made some mistakes in the beginning, of course. And once we figured out how to run it and what the capacity was and how fast things could move. And um, I still complain that she had different products every day. And part of the ritual while she was getting the truck started, it was out. She had written down on paper, all the products that she had that day. And I would write them on the, these whiteboards that we put on the truck and it was different all the time. And it, it was the menu. A, yeah, the menu. It was such a pain. Because <laughs> like, I like just, different stuff. Why can't you just have at least one board that's always the same? And, 
That's right. the one problem with wholesale because it's all the same and I get yeah. bored. I get so bored. She desperately wanted to do different products every day. Every single day, <laughs> totally different thing. Never sold it before. That's your happy place. Yeah. You know, so there was like a, a, a several things that were always there and the rest of the menu changed all the time. Yeah. And I'm not one of those trucks that closed early because I ran out. I... I look at what I have, and I'm like, okay, I can create this, so we'll yeah, the sell menu, this. The menu would just change, <laughs> like, during service. She doesn't have this anymore, but she does have that. She's like, erase that from the whiteboard. I can't do that anymore. And if I was lucky, that's all she asked me to do, it's just erase <laughs> the one thing from the whiteboard because she can't do it anymore. Um, sometimes in the middle of service, she would say, oh, write this on the whiteboard. <laughs> and I would have to write... A totally new product that she's dictating to me because she's invented it with the stuff she actually still has on the truck. <laughs> I just have so many ideas and that's, I don't know. Like that's one of the things I miss working in a restaurant and being part of that atmosphere. I know it'll never happen again, so... There's a lot of downsides to that too. We'll have to we'll have to find a way to duplicate the good side of it here. I don't think that'll happen. Uh, well, the rush won't because no. you're not gonna. And I'm that. so slow anyway. You wouldn't want to get a meal for me. To, it would take like half well, an hour. Well, because you got a hand injury. I mean, we we. I mean, you're disabled. So basically, we can build a situation here that's. Tuned in to your abilities, tuned yes, in your speed. I just got a a food warmer, so now I can do like with the fall and the winter coming, we'll do hot pastries and maybe some other stuff. I won't get into now, but things are gonna come about with the farm shop because that's my only creative outlet. I mean, I do the wholesale, but it's not as creative. But that's the thing is we'll we'll adapt this. We're actually <laughs> at the point where she needs to make baked goods for the farm shop. She actually has to continuously stock it. Which is awesome. People are coming by. Although and there's tons of stuff in the freezer, so we might have a freezer sale next week. But Yeah, but, yeah. but people are coming by <laughs> to the point where you, you can't neglect it. Yeah. So this is good. We need to have stuff. So we're building up and... Wait. We just change the way we do stuff to match what we can do. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, it's always a struggle. But I still, I got to admit, I still miss like after a service. It's really hard. And at the very, very end, the last order you would make was onion rings. Mm -hmm. And we would get, we, we had a, we'd buy a Dr. Pepper before. And we put that in the cooler. Oh yeah. And so basically, we I would I would drive the truck back. Road from soda. Wherever. This is when we were both together, not when she was driving along. Yeah, I can't eat and drive at the same yeah. time. Yeah, and we were driving along, and we would share the Dr Pepper and share some onion rings. And sometimes you would dip my onion ring for me because I'm driving and I can't. Yeah. I I, I can't. Change, I can't look away from the road because we're on country roads and stuff too. There would be times where we're driving to some festival, and there was one where this there was this crazy hill that looked like a cliff, oh like we're about to drive up a cliff, and it was a crazy angle. And we're like, "Are we even gonna make it?" And they were like, "Oh my god, going home, the fryer is gonna be like at a crazy angle. It's gonna spill off." And, and I hate hills anyway. Yeah, like, she can't stand hills. I, just, I can't. I don't know why. When the vehicle like tilts, she's like, ah! And luckily we went home by a different route, so we didn't have to go through that hill again. Like, there's a lot of memories you rack up when you're on a food truck. Yeah, there's a lot of good times and so, so very hard times. Yeah, and, and it's kind of funny because it's changed us because when we watch things on tv we're like bs 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 <laughs> like, nope nope that's not how that works <laughs> you know we we've seen behind the curtain we know how stuff operates 
But yeah. yeah, the whole reason why we sold the truck is to pay off our escrow. Yeah, so that problem, the escrow so, problem that we've discussed in previous episodes is going to be gone. Yeah, it was the only um, thing we owned that we could sell that would deal with that. So. And, and really, now that you know you can't run it yeah. with your hand anyway. It, and then we can save on the insurance and there's, I mean, there's a whole to do. Because even just parked in the our driveway, we had to keep the insurance going in case something happened to it so yeah and and it took up a lot of space it's big yeah it's not as big as a bread truck but it's still big so now somebody's taking it she's and, taking it to new hampshire and we'll make delicious thai food yes so the truck is going to live on but yeah yeah we're, we're kind of we like thai food i love thai food i can't go out and eat it because you know celiac and there's still soy sauce and stuff but I make it occasionally. I don't. I know I don't do it justice, but I do what I can. Yeah, to kind of satisfy the craving. Yeah. But it it makes us happy that the food truck is gonna live on. Somebody else is gonna take it from us. They're gonna fix it up. It's gonna have a whole life. Yeah. And people are gonna buy Thai food. <laughs> Still makes me sad, but I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Well, it takes. Knowing that it's got a, a good life ahead of it takes some of the sting out. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, we'll get we'll do the the route of the storage container, like the metal storage container, and turn commercial. that into a commercial kitchen. Yeah. Eventually, we'll go that route. Supposedly, or we make a bigger building incorporate with the farm. I don't. There's so many ideas in my head. I mean, we'll see what comes about. Right. But. One crisis at a time, though. We got to. Yeah. Solve a few of our crazy, crazy situations first. But this is our forever home. We're going to be here a long time. We got to keep it. So that's why we got to make yeah. sure we can afford it. Solve the emergencies <laughs> first and then make your updates. Yes. So I guess the subject of this podcast that we didn't know when we started was food trucks. Yeah, it was fitting. I mean, August was a tough month. Thank God it's over. I mean, last day of August is when the truck left, so I guess it's fitting. Um, yeah. <sighs> so sad. But here we go. On to a new month and on to more things to cross off our list, I guess. Yeah. Or try to. <laughs> so we'll focus on that and you focus on whatever you got to focus on. Have a great whatever you're doing. Yeah, bye. <laughs>